Anyhow, thank you very much. Once again, Skyfall's getting four bags of popcorn from me, and Lincoln is getting six bags with two sodas. Well, I thought it only went up to five, so, but if it's five for the Bond and three for Lincoln, and it should only be five for Lincoln for you because it doesn't go up to six. Six bags, and uh, we, it does go up to six. Thank you, guys. All right, then six for the Bond. Let me tell you something. 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 Well, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell you something, man. on an epic quest as we've now entered the year 2019 the final year of this decade we by we i mean myself Lorcan mullen and my co-host simon cross have decided to venture into the definitive playlist you could almost say the most highly rated matches from the most highly both uh, rated and unrated pundit in professional wrestling what we have done today is that we have set off on a quest to watch every match that we can get our hands on that dave Meltzer of the wrestling observer has rated five stars or higher and i it's the or higher that really was one of the things that sparked this off for me because when i think we put it i think i put it down as one of my definitive moments of 2017 uh when he rated the kenny omega Kazuchika Okada main event of Wrestle Kingdom 11 um six stars it was it was a big deal like every wrestling podcast mentioned it like you know Austin brought it up and yeah Bully Ray deb- debated whether it was five stars or not and I'm sure Edge and Christian talked about it Chris Jericho talked about it it really helped kick Kenny Omega as a as a figure to a to a greater level and also really started to cement this notion that Kazuchika Okada was on this run with the world title that many see as like the greatest title run of the modern era. Um, was that were you aware of Dave Meltzer before you heard of that story, Simon? And, and yeah, did, and did the fact that he gave that match six stars sort of pique your interest? Um, I was aware of Meltzer before the whole six star thing. Just at, like in passing, I hadn't really paid much attention to his stuff i just knew that he was revered uh, amongst the wrestling journalism world uh the six star thing it did pique my interest in the sense that obviously someone saying it's basically out of 100 it's 120 percent if we like boil it down to a percentage yeah. uh you know that's someone saying something's excellent like you know so ov- obviously that drew my interest the trouble i have this is a little bit of personal bugbear of mine with things like this is I just keep thinking about the bit in Dunstan checks in. Okay. Um, Unusual when... <clears throat> choice of reference, but let's go with this. 
Uh, it's just right at the start, just as everything's unfolding, and you know there's going to be an orangutan in this movie, when the, um, I can't remember the names of the actors involved, but the snooty lady, um, who's sort of like the boss's boss, puts her little brooch and says, we could be the first ever six-star hotel. And it's the fact that there's no space for this six-star. Like, five is meant to be the definitive limit, and yet she's, like, put in this, like, great ornate brooch to signify the six-star. That shows... Uh, to me is a great example of if you have something out of something i don't think you should be going beyond that hmm. and that's just my personal opinion but well do you, what do you think of ratings in general uh it's very uh, things are subjective yeah um for What's every the... person who yeah. likes wild wild west uh the will smith movie there's probably like thousands who thought it was terrible hmm. Um, critics usually. <laughs> critics very, usually. I don't mind it. I think, I it's, think it's silly the, good fun. Yeah, I think the prevalence of popularity of things like Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic have also um, brought more emphasis to that. And I think it's just it's the, it's the ridiculous notion of, of applying maths to art. Yeah. Like mathematical certitude to something that is inherently quite a personal experience. No two people are going to have the same exact experience with any work of art, and therefore it's not easy to just, you know, like there's like if you look at food hygiene standards, there's just there's rules that you have to have to pass towards getting the five out of five or the four out of five or the three out of five. I don't know if you've have you ever eaten at lower than a three. I don't. No, I've never eaten at lower than a three, and I don't think I've eaten at a three. I've eaten at a one. What? Uh, How right. is that still open? <laughs> I didn't know it was a one. In... Oh, <laughs> they put their yeah, yeah, through my get, door. Yeah, things get rated after the fact. I know there's loads of places in Birmingham that have had like ones or been shut down. So I yeah. really have, just not knowingly. I knew on the day uh, because I put an order in for collection. They put the chart. It was a Chinese takeaway. They put a leaflet through my door when I was at university, and I, I walked there to collect, uh, and then saw the one star rating on the door. I was like, ah, oh. but you know, I've already paid. Um, <laughs> It was what it was. I remember watching a clip of the Chicken Connoisseur on YouTube. It was one of my favorite YouTube channels for a while. And he did, like, he got very upset when he saw a three out of five as he was going into <laughs> this chicken house. He says, at the end of the day, if there's dog do on the floor, there's dog do on the floor. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's that, like I said, it's the application of Master Art. Now, like, I do do star ratings myself. Like, if you follow me on my, like my Letterboxd account, I give every movie I've seen a rating system. Um, and I still think it's arbitrary. It's it's really weird. Like like for example, there's there's films that I feel like I give them certain ratings more because I like I like for example this year I saw a film called Sorry to Bother You, very entertaining film, but a film with a number of flaws in it, and I, I felt like it was a. I think you can only go on a feeling, and and your feelings might be inconsistent. We have different feelings on the different days, you know. And I might look back at something and go, "Why did I ever give that an eight out of ten? Or why did I give that only a six out of ten? Or, or whatever." Um, but it was like I should have given it a seven, but I wanted to encourage in my own little way. I wanted to think I want more films that go out there like this does and give it an eight out of ten. Or like for example, like another one is like Mandy a film I saw this year with Nicolas Cage, and it's like Nicolas Cage squared as a movie. You couldn't get more Nicolas Cage if you actually hung out with Nicolas Cage. Would that not be Nicolas a... Hell in a Cell? Or yeah, Nicolas well, War exactly. Games if it's yeah, Cage, yeah. if he's well, squared? Nic- Nicolas Kennel from Hell. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> um, and 
it's like for me it's like it was a really 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 good movie but for other people it'll be the worst film they'll ever seen in their life and that's not wrong so yeah. therefore you saying that's a zero out of ten film and me saying it's an eight out of ten film we're both correct so let's make it clear we're not saying that we're about to watch definitively the 120 or so greatest matches of all time i think dave Meltzer himself would admit to that he has tweeted in the past that it's subjective it's actually the thing that he considers the least important of his work. I yeah. will say this, like in the past few years, I've become a much bigger fan of Dave Meltzer's work. I was aware of him, but I'd never really subscribed to the Wrestling Observer in any uh, way, shape or form. I didn't know how to when I was younger. I, like if I, when I was 16, when I was like 14, 15 and reading Power Slam magazine. You realise in hindsight, I think a lot of what they were writing was basically just reading the Observer and then putting their own spin on it, you know? Um, not to not to cast aspersions on Finn Martin. I would love to have him on as a guest on this show if we can in the future. Um, but it, but you get where I'm coming from. Like the Melts is the guy he that was... has Melts is the guy that clearly has the sources. Yeah, and he has the 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 know how. And he also, I think what 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 amazes you when you look at it particularly is he's he's a one man news industry. Like, something I've realised over time, like, I listen to something like, say, um, On the Continent, which is a football podcast from the Football Ramble guys. What I love about the Football Ramble is they're kind of like four guys like us, you know, four fans of a particular thing that have a fair bit of knowledge. Don't take themselves too seriously. Don't take the product that they're talking about so seriously that they can't have a laugh about it. Yeah. But they're, they're still like armchair, they're armchair pundits. Then when they do On the Continent, they have two journalists in, and they just know so much, especially the mailbag episode where people just write in and just say, so what's going on with Kaiserslautern? And it, then they can just reel off all of this information about them, like their history, their current situation, their managers, their standout players, what they're doing wrong, how they can get into a better place. And they know this about like pretty much every team in Germany, France, Spain, Portugal. And you realise to be a really good journalist, not the ones that go on TV and just give their own opinions and all that bullshit. To be the nuts and bolts journalist, you need to know your shit. And Dave Meltzer knows his shit. When he needed to in the 90s, he suddenly started learning about TV ratings when he was following the Monday Night War. In the 80s, when pay-per-view and closed circuit <laughs> became a thing, he learned about pay-per-view. He took an interest in UFC to the point that he's seen as one of the definitive um, opinions on MMA news as well. Like, he was... We've just been talking about John Jones, and a lot of what I've been telling you is stuff that I learned from listening to him talking to uh, Brian Alvarez on Figure Four Online. He just knows so much stuff, and especially, if nothing else, I would recommend that you read some of Dave Meltzer's like profiles, but especially his obituaries. He right, he's one of the. That's the thing. He's like the business correspondent, the uh, obituarist, the headline writer, the opinion columnist the uh, sports commentator and the and the art critic essentially all at the same time like, Swiss army he, knife when he goes I don't know if there's anyone that's going to be able to truly inherit everything that he has on on a, on a note on a knowledge basis you know and he and he keeps the flame alive and he kind of offers the alternative history to what the WWE wants to offer to you you know yeah even me as someone who likes to think that I don't follow toe the propagandist line that the WWE will try and do with their alternative histories. 
even there, I'm even now when I read more and more Meltzer, I realise, yeah, really, like even more of the stuff that he says, like the notion that the WWE, the wrestling was in the doldrums before the WWE came along. It's kind of bullshit. Yeah. Because it wasn't in a way. Like what the WWE now do is that there's one wrestling show that sells out that might sell eight thousand tickets in one venue on one night. And that's something. Whereas, whereas back in the seventies and eighties, early eighties, when wrestling was apparently in its dark period. There were like 5,000 seater venues being sold out in like numerous states in one night, you know? Yeah. Because um, wrestling had its territories then. and the, Yeah, the, essentially what Vince McMahon did with killing off the territories is he didn't improve the wrestling business. He just, he actually... He centralised it. it. Yeah, he centralised it, exactly. And like there's, there's clearly, obviously, a lot of people that grew up on Jim Crockett or World Class or... Um, Florida or whatever, or Memphis, never, Memphis that never approved of what the WWE did and have never watched wrestling since then. That to them wrestling was the Von Erichs or it was Junkyard Dog or it was Jerry Lawler and it, or it was Ric Flair. There's like this classic clip I remember seeing when um, Hulk soon after Hulk Hogan had arrived at WCW and it's a fan looking at the hard camera with a Hulkamania T-shirt, ripping it in half and then throwing up the Four Horsemen signals. You know. The notion that wrestling is WWE and that's it is a bit of a misnomer. But, to bring it back to the five-star thing, we're not going to cover a lot of WWE. We're not, no. So... Um, when we first um, threw up this concept and I took a look at the list, um, it, it took me a long time before I even saw a WWE match. On I'm um... looking at it right now. I think at the moment there are nine matches that are WWE matches that Dave Meltzer has rated five stars or higher. Interestingly... Uh, four of those nine matches came from this year, 2018. I was going to say, we've had a spurt this year, haven't Before we? Before 2018, there were five matches that have been given five stars. And out of those four from this year, how many are from the main brand? Uh, none. They're all Let's NXT. So, so, we, so we count NXT as a separate promotion, then not even that. So, like, the vast majority of these ones are going to be Japanese. So the common mis- the common accusation against Dave Meltzer is that if a match took place at the Tokyo Dome, okay, WrestleMania, it gets yeah. an extra star or something. Whether that's true or not, we'll see. Because one of the things we're going to do as well along the way is we're going to kind of give our alternative five stars occasionally. We're <clears> going to both throw up a match that we would give five stars that Dave Meltzer wouldn't give five stars. And... Well, the, and- and and vice versa, at the end of every episode of a five-star match, we're going to ask the question, would we give it five stars? Yeah. So it's, we're as, not, much, we're it's, not... as, yeah, it's as much an assessment of, of Dave Meltzer's pre- preferences. Can we get more of an idea of what Dave Meltzer is as a wrestling fan from looking at these as well? We're not going to go into like the minutiae of, oh, it's not five-star, but it's like three and a quarter or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. For, yeah, quarter stars I've always found inherently kind of ridiculous, but... Yeah, they are what they are. A half stars are splitting of a hair anyway. Yeah, well, it's essentially you're essentially rating out of ten at that point. Yeah, which is fine in itself, but mm. then you're just being pernickety with like quarter stars. I personally think out of five is a bit too restrictive. I I, I like yeah. ratings out of ten. Well, I'm because... bothered by how the American star rating system for the longest time was four stars. There are a lot of critics that still use four stars. Roger Ebert used a four-star system his whole time. Uh, Brian um, Zane on uh, Wrestling with Regret uses a four-star system. Oh, that's baffling. That that's that 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 has thrown me a little bit because. Well, do, you know, do you know where the star ratings come from? 
historically no. where they come from. Well, Jim Cornette helped invent them. He was one of the two guys that was behind it. But essentially, it was it was an exist it existed for tape trading reasons. Where okay. at that time you you, you have mailing lists and and just descriptions of everything that people would share with each other. And Dave Meltzer was one of them. Jim Cornette was one of them. They'd be trying to get you know I've got someone who lives in Florida tapes all the Florida shows and mails them to someone who lives in Memphis that has all the Memphis shows and they swap them around and they get to both watch what the other one had. And as they're doing you know as time goes on you you accumulate a larger and larger back catalogue. So in order to show what are some of the more the things to look out for, they would just give a little, this is a four-star match. So it's like, okay, I've got to, I should look out for that tape because that's one that I want to get, you know? Yeah. And then um, Jim Cornette and another guy were watching Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk in Memphis. And they basically said, this is such a good match. This is even better than a four-star match. This is a five-star match. So that was essentially the Kazuchika Okada Kenny Omega of its time. And so, uh, it broke the system. Right, okay. And that's when they went to five stars afterwards. But I just really can't get my head around the fact it's never it's it was at one point not five star mm. in my because four just looks weird now. Yeah, you know. Well, it's also because it's because I was was confused by Roger Ebert because it was zero stars, half star, one star, one and a half star, two star, two and a half, three, three and a half, four. So he was essentially rating everything out of nine. Oh. And as you know, as an OCD. Yeah, no, that's sit right with me. You know, your maths side of your brain is just like... But again, (laughs) applying maths to art, this is inherently absurd. But what it is, is it's a launching pad that allows you to discuss things further. You know? Like, like I say, I go on Letterboxd and I rate things, and I'm I'm pretty harsh. Like, I was looking it up, and I think I've seen... On Letterboxd, I have something like somewhere around... Close to 1,000... It's over 1,500 films I've seen. And I've out of that, I've only given like 64 of them five stars. Okay. So, you know, I'm not... You know, And again, I look, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that I just do little things about movies and ratings. And I give them a rating out of 10. But what I'm rating out of 10 kind of shows how seriously I take it and I expect other people to take it, you know? Yeah. But like I said, it's an interesting year-long project. The thing that really ultimately inspired me to do this was a number of things, but the main thing was, there's a guy I follow on Twitter, a really interesting Twitter account called Alan Cheapshot. Another guy who obviously knows a lot more about wrestling than I do, watches a lot more wrestling than either of us does, puts up these really cool GIFs of matches that he's found and he's watching, like, there was just a series of GIFs of, like, um, Jack Briscoe wrestling Jumbo Saruta in the 1970s, and he's just showing all these great little bits and how, you know, wrestling that you don't really get to see much of. And he just went through all of Dave Meltzer's matches that he gave five stars, as he saw it, and gave his own personal ratings to them. So he did say, this is a four and three quarter star match, this is a three and a half star match, in my opinion, or whatever. So, and then I just, I enjoyed that uh, thread so much, and I thought, I wonder what our opinions would be on these, you know? Because so many of them I hadn't seen, you know? The majority of them I probably hadn't seen. Yeah, and we're not what we would call... um... There's some overlap on our Venn diagram of ideas, but we're not exactly a hive mind, so yeah, well, we'll have different viewpoints from different generations. Yeah, that was the thing. We always made the thing about this was about two different generations of wrestling fans, and we're watching matches that are rated highly from another different generation of wrestling fan. You know, yeah. Dave Meltzer has us beat on the age front and the experience front by a lot, you know? I mean, I think 
it takes a good while if you look at the list again before um, matches take place where I'm alive mm. on this list. Uh, I think I'm alive for all of them. I'm alive for all but one of them uh, for certain. Uh, let me just check. I just got the list in front of me. And it's not until like match twenty, like twenty something, before I I'm actually on this planet. I wasn't alive for the first match, but I was alive for every match after that. So you know, another thing I'm I'm kind of the perfect age to have been born <laughs> into or something. It's like how my age corresponds with the WrestleManias. You know, not that I'm proud of that fact, but I am proud of that fact. Is the fact that Vince is no longer putting the numbers on it just making you feel even older now? Because <laughs> he's uh, like, I don't want to make WrestleMania look old. So uh, I think that's just Vince being Vince. I think I think he'll make it. I think he'll point it out when it's the big numbers. So five. I tens. imagine WrestleMania. I don't think he'll bother for this one, WrestleMania 35, but I think he will for WrestleMania 40. It, you know whether it'll be a you know the the main driving force of WrestleMania. I mean, there's a Super Bowl still does it doesn't it? But I can understand why when you look at those Super Bowl logos and they've got to put a load of L's and X's and everything in. It's like yeah. it is a bit you know clunky <laughs> to look at. But it's uh, they 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 ha- they lean into it like they like the lineage of their brand. Whereas Vince, well, I don't WWE think... does and doesn't. You know, yeah, it's... now forever they you know like I said they're trying to own history. <laughs> yeah, they don't like feeling old. Mm. It's weird. But anyway, that has been... Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we head off? Are you looking forward to it? Are you excited? There's a lot of stuff you will have... There are people that you'll have probably never watched a match of before. Like, had you watched a, a Mitsuhara Masao match before? Have you watched a... Um, have you watched no. a Jumbo Saruta match before? No. Um... Have you watched... Uh, well, I'm assuming you haven't seen any of the uh, All Japan stuff. Have you watched any of the Joshi stuff? You know? No, um, the the reason I was so on board with this is because it gives me a chance to broaden my horizons. Mm. Um, that and I want to sit. I, I I do like the idea of sitting down and just watching just good wrestling because theoretically um, good wrestling anyway. <laughs> theoretically good wrestling because some of the stuff I watched recently. I mean, I don't want to like hype back to it too much, but our recent coverage of the World of Sports season. Mm-hmm. Um, if I want to, if we, you know, if we're going to podcast on something, I want it to be good stuff, you know. Yeah, I don't like to dwell on negativity, and I think that's what a lot of wrestling uh, discussions can be, uh, rightly or wrongly. And I think a lot of our like 2018 review was probably a bit um, on the negative side, uh, which I don't mean it to be. And I'm I'm someone that doesn't watch it if I'm not enjoying it. I'm not yeah. someone that I don't get that sort of torturing yourself with watching something that you don't like i've never understood that well i i've i think i've taken a two-month break recently from watching raw and smackdown on a regular basis um do you feel better for it (laughs) i have more time in my week Mm. i'll say that for free um i don't miss it um i still watch that i've still watched the pay-per-views i've still like kept up to date and if something's really good i'll like find the clip and such but again maybe also this thing will again help you i think you've always i think yourself would admit except for a time when it was like tna you've pretty much always been quite wwe centric oh i'm i am very wwe centric which i haven't really been since the early 2000s yeah and now i have a chance to look beyond that yeah yeah and you'll get to see there is a tna match in there there's a couple of ring of honor matches there's a there's but yeah it is mostly going to be 
It's going to be a lot of old Japan from the early to mid-90s and a lot of new Japan from the last couple of years. I feel I should apologise in advance for my terrible mispronunciation. I'm just going to cover that basically mispronounce now. mispronunciation, so... <laughs> <laughs> I would like try and pass it off if there was like level, another level to that and that was intentional, but no. no, no, no. We, we've listened to you long enough to know this. There's no extra levels. <laughs> wow. But anyway... If people want to get in touch with the podcast and discuss these shows as they go along, we now have an email address for that, don't we, Simon? We do, yes. It is lmtyspod at gmail.com. So I'll just spell that once again. That is L for Lariat, mm. M for Misawa, mm. uh, T for Tope, Y for Yacht, just because. Uh <laughs> And S for suplex pod at gmail.com. P-O-D. P-O-D. So no no capitals or anything, I don't believe. Well, that doesn't make a difference, does it? Um, um, I don't believe emails to be case sensitive. It's all lowercase if, yeah, lower if you're picky about it. If you like your caps locks, I don't think that's going to make a difference. But anyway, until then, and our first episode will be up in a few days' time, you're going to get a lot of content sent to you, but it will be in manageable bite-sized chunks compared to our often multiple hour-long uh, discussions. This is going to be nice, short, and concise for the most part. Nice, short, and concise, which is also how I would describe myself on my dating profile. <laughs> concise! <laughs> oh, um, ladies love a concise gentleman. Yeah, I suppose I shouldn't consider myself concise if I use three adjectives that basically say the same thing, so... <laughs> our short's got multiple meanings but... yeah I suppose uh, I can be short with you certainly <laughs> um, but our first match will be Tiger Mask taking on Dynamite Kid the recently departed Dynamite Kid uh, let's make confession times we recorded that episode before the unfortunate passing of Dynamite Kid um, I think most of what we say it's very interesting actually listening to Dave Meltzer Dave Meltzer kind of echoes some of the things that I say in that episode which is we might be starting off with the most artistically influential match in modern wrestling. So there's something to whet your appetite with to see how we uh, discuss that match. And until then, my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thanks for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. <laughs>